but she is an amazing woman. She's been a part of our encouraging coach. She's been part of our food team, and uh, she's just got an exciting spirit behind her, and so you guys please welcome Michelle as she shares her story. Hi, good, e- good evening, everyone. Um, I'm just so excited to get up here. Um, I was a little nervous, so everyone who prayed for me, thank you. I really appreciate all your prayers so much. I'm going to pray right now before we get started. Father, I, uh, I love you so much. And uh, I'm grateful to be in this place. I am grateful for the freedom to worship here, Lord. I am grateful um, for all of these brothers and sisters here, Lord, and brothers and sisters to come. And uh, I pray for those who are not able to gather freely, Lord. I pray for safety and just spiritual and physical protection over them. And I just ask that you would speak through me. Give me a boldness and a confidence that is yours alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Ah, Well, thank you very much. Okay, so I'm starting off a little different today. And that's because normally in these rooms, we hear of experience, strength, and hope, right? And which I love. But I'm going to add a little bit of hope at the beginning. So it's going to be like a hope sandwich for y'all tonight. So... um, Romans 7, 18 says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Romans 7, 18. And maybe that doesn't sound hopeful to you. But because of this program and because of the way it just so easily lays out the Lord's word and your healing can just come so easily and so quickly. I celebrated my birthday this month and I just realized I didn't introduce myself. My name's Michelle. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ and I am celebrating recovery from chemical dependency and I'm definitely working on the areas of food and probably some other stuff, but that's good for now. Hi. (laughs) Thank you, sorry. (laughs) Um, So, I'm just so grateful because I'll write, I'll read what I wrote. 42 years ago this month, the Lord set me on my path. And as I received my birthday wishes this year, so many in my life spoke such beautiful words over me. I was humbled and grateful. But the lovely, lovely truth is that I know for a fact that people can see Jesus in me. Whatever good or beautiful words that they speak isn't anything that I do. These are direct attributes of my King Jesus. And this is my heart's desire, less of me and more of you, Lord. So, took 42 years, but that's okay, because it's progress, not perfection, right? Thank you, guys. So, I was born in Castro Valley, California, on a Sunday morning to Mitchell and Christine, and I was their miracle baby. My mom told me that she wouldn't be able to conceive, and well, God had other plans. Psalm 139, 13 and 14 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Let me first say that I love my parents. I've forgiven my parents. And they gave me the best they could with what they were given and how they grew up. I was born into a family with addiction on both sides drug, alcohol, love, relationship, you name it, it was there. My parents were functioning addicts, alcohol and drugs for my dad and primarily alcohol for my mom. 
Nine months after my birth, my brother was born. It would be my brother and I for about 10 years until our little brother and sister came along before our parents divorced. My dad was a cement mason and he traveled out of state frequently for work. And I can remember his large suitcase in the kitchen after his trips. And I would anxiously await the gifts that he brought for my brother and I. When the out-of-state trip stopped, he always commuted long distance to his jobs. My dad always made sure that we had what we needed. My mom was a stay-at-home mom at the time, and she did really great things like make our costumes, and she brought us homemade lunch to school like chilaquiles. It was really good. <laughs> um, my brother and I participated in sports growing up. We went to the lake, we hung out with family, and we had a lot of really great memories. But we also have some not-so-great memories of domestic violence, alcohol abuse, witnessing infidelity in the home, along with verbal and physical abuse to us kids. Growing up, we were raised Catholic. We made all of our sacraments. We usually attended Mass. But for sure, we were the good Easter Christmas Catholics. But I never really knew God. We were raised with the do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do mentality. And we were taught that sex wasn't to be discussed. When I was seven years old, we moved to Patterson, California. And this move was to have a fresh start. The alcohol, drugs, and domestic violence followed us here as well. And this is when the verbal and the physical abuse uh, to my brother and I would start. My dad was more of the verbal abuser, calling me names regarding my weight, and he yelled a lot. My mom was more of the physical abuser, since she was the one home to discipline us. This abuse from my parents cultivated my codependency, low self-esteem, and feelings of low self-worth. I also vividly remember physically getting ill right before my parents would get into an argument. The argument would then usually escalate to some form of domestic violence. Like I mentioned before, my codependence and low self-worth were forming, and I thought if I could clean the house or set up a dinner for them, it would make everything better. Sometimes the house cleaning worked and made them happy, and I was praised for what I had done, not who I was. And at the time, I thought this was normal. Uh, I would take this character defect into most of my adult life. And even today, if I'm finding my worth in anything other than Jesus Christ, it can rear its ugly head really quick. My second brother was also born at this time, and things seemed to be happy for a while. But I always felt on edge. When was the other shoe going to drop? During this time, I stuffed myself with food. I found comfort in it, and it didn't take long before the food found comfort in me. I got pretty chunky. And this was great ammunition for the kids that I went to school with to make fun of me. I was teased and bullied starting back in the third grade through high school. And I will always remember trying to exercise, not eat as much, or just binge and say, forget it. I was always comparing myself to someone else, another character defect of mine. <laughs> uh, always comparing myself to someone else, and I uh, lost my place. And I was never happy in my own skin. Why did I get the blocky, stocky shape? However, my shape was obviously not an issue for my male cousins. Uh, and for a short time, during family parties at my grandmother's house, my male cousins would kiss me in the bedroom. It started with one cousin, and then it was three of them. This caused me to feel shame. I felt dirty, and I never wanted anyone to know what happened. In the eighth grade, I went on a confirmation retreat. We had to spend some time outdoors with God. 
And during that time, I remember crying out to him, and I knew that he was there. Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. I also found the rosary at that time. My great-grandma prayed it religiously, and I wanted to do that too. I wanted to pray enough for God to do a miracle. And I would just rub those pearlescent beads through my fingers and hope that God would do something in my life to rescue me from the hurt that I received at home and school. I just found those beads when I was cleaning out my garage the other day. Um, it was interesting. However, um, my best friend at the time would take me to her church and I enjoyed it, but I was never consistent for long with church or talking to God. At 15, my parents divorced and it was really messy. I started smoking cigarettes. I just grabbed one from my dad while my parents were arguing and I started smoking it right in front of them. My parents did nothing and this was a turning point for me. I thought, what else can I get away with? If I'm not getting attention from you two, I have to get it from somewhere. My dad was kicked out of the house and I decided to stay with my mom and three younger siblings. And as long as I took care of the kids for my mom, her and I could be friends. I didn't need a friend. I needed my mom. But again, nothing changes if nothing changes. And God had yet to break chains in my family. At 16, I lost my virginity. And thank goodness for me, it was something I wanted and I had control over. However, once I opened that Pandora's box of sex, I was out of control. I also made a new best friend, and his name was Jose Cuervo. <laughs> He's not a good friend, guys. He's a loser. <laughs> During a party, <laughs> I was waiting for one of my conquests because I honestly thought that I was in control. In the meantime, I was getting drunk, and another partygoer took this as an opportunity to take me out on a walk, and I was raped that night. The only person I told was my best friend at the time. And I went back to her house, and I tried to wash the dirty off of me. I couldn't get the water hot enough. My abuser would see me at school, laugh at me, and ask if I wanted to do it again. And I felt like I deserved it since I went on a walk with him. After that incident, my promiscuity was out of control. My mom found out about some of the things that I was doing and that were happening to me. And there was no, are you okay, or how can I help you? So I dove deeper. The kids at school ate this up, and to them, I was easy, and some other not-so-nice names. And they made sure that they reminded me every single day. My senior year, I couldn't take it anymore, and I told my dad I wanted to live with him. He came back to the house to take care of my siblings and I. My mom moved out, and I didn't have a relationship with her for many years after that, or with her side of the family. Living with our dad, there were rules or a semblance of them. It was better than before. The promiscuity, alcohol, and drug abuse continued. Yes, I found I like to smoke weed now, too. And as a kid, I loved cooking, and I wanted to be like Julia Child or Yan Can Cook. So I went to culinary school. And the only school to offer a degree at the time was all the way in Rhode Island. Perfect. I couldn't get far enough away from my home life. I started college ready to make a fresh start. 
How much pain I could have saved myself if I would have known the saying, wherever you go, there you are. I tried counseling my freshman year of college, and it seemed to help. I had met a cool guy from New York who was respectful of me. We became boyfriend and girlfriend immediately. I clung on to that guy because he liked me for me, and I could do whatever I wanted, basically wear the pants. Being the oldest and a person who lacked control all of her life, I loved this. We had our ups and downs, but we always seemed to make it work. We liked to smoke weed together, drink, go to strip clubs together, and watch porn because I was the cool girlfriend. The drinking had calmed down for me, but I definitely liked to smoke. And after a few years of watching porn, I wasn't comfortable with it anymore, and I stopped. Fast forward to my junior year of college, we had transferred to a campus in Charleston, South Carolina for a fresh start. <laughs> it was a horrible experience for me. I had no other relationships except for with my boyfriend, and as my insecurities grew, I grew in weight. Again, I looked to food for comfort, and it was really bad. We ended up taking some time off that summer, and I came back uh, home to California, and we kept in contact. During that summer, my aunt, a new born-again Christian, started talking to me about God and the Bible. I had never heard the gospel presented like that. And at first, I was really scared. And I thought to myself, I really need God in my life. I'm fornicating, and I don't know where I'm going to go when, I, when I'll die, when I die. So my boyfriend and I got back together my senior year of college, and I started telling him about God and that we really needed to get to church. I graduated, and we moved back to California, and within two months of being home, I dared him to marry me. And two weeks later, we were married. We, <laughs> we found a house out in the city of Action, Riverbank. We commuted for work and found an awesome Bible-based church called Big Valley Grace. I know. It was here that we both accepted Christ as our Savior. We were baptized together, and we threw ourselves in the couple's ministry. Thank you. However, we didn't understand what God's grace was all about. But I liked serving and feeling needed. And I didn't have a clue of what my worth was in Jesus Christ. We had heard about this new group called CR, and we tried it out for a while. And I thought to myself... I'm good. These people are really messed up. <laughs> so we stopped coming, and we were fixed anyway. Our life went on, and we had some time alone, and we had a baby. And during my pregnancy, I developed a giant cell tumor on my right wrist. I had my first surgery when my son was four months old. The tumor came back four times, and I had six surgeries on my wrist within four years. I was quickly hooked on pain pills. I developed high anxiety, and I turned into an introvert. And if you know me, an introvert is not who God created me to be. Things were still good, or so I thought, but at this point of being together for 11 years, I realized that I didn't like being in charge anymore. At this point, our daughter was born, and we were arguing all the time. We were disconnected physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and I felt like we were having the same argument over and over. Can you say insanity? It was bad. It's not a good ride either. Um, my husband was deep in his addiction as well. And I finally had enough and I was done trying. Besides, I had better things to do. I just discovered Facebook. 
the wonderful world of Facebook, where you reconnect with people from your past, the people that make you feel special and heard. I reconnected with an old boyfriend to just hang out at first. This quickly turned into an affair that I denied for many months. I thought this was the answer because I was gonna leave and have a fresh start anyway. I was gonna do it right this time. I was so deceived. I had walked away from God, first of all, my family, our friends. I got into skydiving. I love airplanes, by the way. I was starting to feel like myself again, regaining confidence in myself, but doing it all the wrong way. I wanted a divorce, and I felt like we did everything we could. Why would God want me in an unhappy marriage anyway? So I pursued a job as a flight attendant. Our divorce was finalized, and we moved on. But not literally, because we lived together in the same house since I was gone half of the month. We were really sick, you guys. Um, we never had enough money to live apart. And anyway, we're going to be really good co-parents, co like the coolest co-parents ever. Um, and while the job was awesome, the layovers are what killed me. If I had more than 12 hours in a city, I was drinking. And my drinking came back with a vengeance this time. At first, she was nice. Her name was Vodka this time. And we got along fabulously. The longer we hung out, though, she turned on me. And she left me with anger and hurt to deal with. So Michelle, the fun drunk, turned out to be Michelle, the mean, the sad, the crying drunk. The promiscuous drunk. The blackout, how did I make it through that drunk? That Michelle stayed at work for the longest time. But then she came home with me, slowly at first. But before long, drunk Michelle was pretty much everywhere. She was scary. Ruining family outings, events, and physically fighting with family members. In May of 2013, I had a horrible verbal turned physical fight with my sister. My dad was so mad when he found out. He sent me a text saying to get myself some help ASAP. And I asked him where he and the other family members went for help because maybe I would get a discount. <laughs> he didn't reply to that text. So I was so mad that my dad was being such a hypocrite. We didn't talk for a couple of months. I wasn't going to get help. I was fine. Everyone gets drunk. They say things they don't mean. That's how I grew up. So what's the big deal? The big deal was that I put people on edge. I scared my kids. They were witness to my drunken stupors, my verbal and physical fights, things no kid should have to see. I hurt the people who love me the most, and I put myself in danger. In July of 2013, my dad was admitted to the hospital while I was away for work. I came home from that trip and went right to the hospital. My dad looked dreadful. We both started crying when we saw each other. It was an unspoken time of moving on. He was dying. All the years of partying and lack of self-care had caught up to him. He was 55. My siblings and I came together to take care of my dad. He truly wanted to make a change in his life. He knew that this was his last chance. Praise God, my dad had accepted Jesus a few years before, and my dad knew he was with him. We had my dad for 17 days, and on July 22nd, 2013, he went to be with the Lord. And I was on duty that day. I performed CPR on him, but it wasn't to be. I was asking God why. I was still drinking while taking care of my dad, and definitely after he died to numb the pain of everything. But about two weeks after his funeral, I realized, you know what? I really need some help. My dad would tell me, Mika, I worry about you. 
or Michelle, get your stuff together. And he didn't say stuff. He was either really nice or mean about it. There was no in-between with my dad. His voice rang in my head, and I realized that I couldn't let my dad's death be in vain. The cycle of addiction needed to stop with me. Losing my dad was my rock bottom. I checked myself into a 30-day outpatient for alcohol because I thought I would learn how to manage my drinking. <laughs> I, told my, I told my counselor, like, four drinks. I can have, like, four drinks, right? She laughed, too. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> um, I was required to do... We laugh about that still now when I talk to her. I was required to do two meetings a week, and back to CR I went. It had been many years since I first attended, and the first thing that I noticed, it was bigger, and the people were all so welcoming. I felt right at home this time. And now I could see myself in the messed up people from before. <laughs> Do you know who those people are? It's me and it's you. We are taking those first steps out of denial, being real, wanting help, making changes. Not only was there a place for me, but for my kids to start to get the healing they needed. I admitted step one quickly and I reconciled my relationship with God. God had always been waiting for me. I'm so thankful for that. <laughs> After my 30-day program, I kept coming. I quickly realized this was something that I needed for life. I started and I finished a step study. I never got past step four in my study years before. This first complete step study was a chance for me to commit to get it all out. I couldn't run anymore, and I didn't want to run anymore. This was my true, fresh start. Going through the study and God's word helped me see that my worth is in Christ and Christ alone. The step study also reminded me that God never left me. His hand was always on me. And it doesn't matter how many things I volunteer for, how much I do, whether at home or in public, my worth isn't based on my work. It's based on what God has done. He made me, and that alone is enough, especially since I'm made in his image. Although I'm truly thankful for my aunt witnessing to me, I am forever thankful that God revealed his loving grace to me because I, on my own accord, do not deserve any of this. But I am so important to him that even if Jesus died for me alone, it would be worth it to him because I am worth it to him. And so are you. And I'm sorry I keep losing my place. <laughs> I realized his will is always better than mine and it's amazing what happens when you're obedient and you surrender. One of the best but hardest steps was four and five. I dragged my feet on those steps but they were truly the most freeing for me. My sponsor, my, my sponsor at the time was awesome and helped me through the study and life in general. And just an FYI, it's true. If you pray about it, God will lead you to the right sponsor. And listen in small group, because that's where you're going to find your person to walk this journey with you. Thankfully, I have a wonderful new sponsor in my life. One day at a time. The serenity prayer has also been very helpful for me and has kept me from having to do step nine as often. I told my ex-husband what was going on and how I was turning my life around and the method. 
Through it all, I still love this man. And deep down, I knew that if we both truly surrendered to God, God would be able to work through us. I prayed about it and talked with my ex. He started coming back to CR as well. It wasn't all sugar and roses to start. We knew we had to give God a chance to show his power. We decided that we would date and do things the right way. And for me, that meant no premarital sex. We continued to come to CR and received outside counseling. I'm thankful to say that God has restored our marriage and we were remarried in September of 2014. Yeah, like, I gotta get my, get my clap on for that. Yeah. Um, the grass was never greener. It's not. And God originally put us together for a reason. I've made amends and continue living out my amends with my kids. And it's taken time for me to earn their trust back, but I have it, and I'm so thankful for a second chance with them and us as a family. My kids are amazing. They are amazing people. And I'm so grateful that they can learn the tools now to successfully navigate life. My mom, sister, and I have reconciled our relationships as well. This has been amazing. I've also made amends with lots of other family members. Now I truly love step 10. We continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. It's very freeing, and it's the right thing to do. When you wrong someone, take ownership. Step 12 has been an honor and a privilege. Practicing these principles in all my affairs and giving, and giving back. What else would I be doing? Saving all this awesome recovery just for me? No. <laughs> the Lord has allowed uh, me to serve him in some fantastic ways. Coaching various teams for my kids. Youth ministry at my church. I love investing in our youth. Encouraging them in the word. Praying with and for them and also sharing some of my experiences, age appropriate, of course. If I can reach one child with God's truth, positive affirmations, and love where they may be lacking, it's worth it, because it's all for God's glory and honor. It is a joy and honor serving here at CR. I look forward to Tuesday nights. I've been on the food team, a greeter, I've worked in the bookstore, I've served on our team, I am a small group and a a step study facilitator, and our angel tree ministry. And let me tell you what an amazing all-star group that God has put together for this year's angel tree. I want to give them a, a clap. So be on the lookout for your angels, okay? We'll have kiosks here and uh, the Saturday and Sunday services so y'all can get your angels. So I guarantee that there is a place for you to serve here. There's some place for you to serve. You are needed and Hope to see you serving somewhere soon. And thank you for those that are serving because I need this place. Um, for me to succeed, I need all of you. <laughs> Recovery is now a regular and Lord willing permanent part of our everyday life. It's been over seven years since I started this journey. Over seven years of sobriety. Thank you, Jesus. And to see... Thank you, thank you Jesus. And to see um, what God has restored in my life brings this verse to mind immediately. Joel 2.25, the Lord says, I will give you back what you lost to the swarming locust, the hopping locust, the stripping locust, and the cutting locust. It was I who sent this great destroying army against you. 
It's also been over seven years since my dad went home to be with the Lord, and I don't ask God why anymore. I say thank you, Lord, for knowing what was best. You moved mountains in my life with the death of my dad. And of course, I miss my dad every day, but I will see him again, and I am confident that he would be proud of what's going on today in my life. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. To the newcomer, I am thrilled that you are here. Congratulations on that victory. When we sang tonight, I'm going to see a victory. Walking through that door, you saw your first victory. So keep coming, keep coming and keep praying for God to show you what he wants to do in you because he loves all of you right where you are, every fiber of your being. Pray that God will give you the strength and the will to get here and he will. Get involved in a step study, meet some new people and remember that sometimes people are just as nervous as you are. So just say hi or smile. It's easy. We're a family here. We need each other, guys. Unending thanks and praise to my God and my Savior. To my beloved husband, Sean, I truly understand what in sickness and in health means now. I love you. Thank you. I love that, man. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I say for now. Um, I was going to give a shout out to his work. <laughs> um, to my two wonderful gifts from God. Thank you for your amazing grace with me. I love you. To my family, my sponsor. I don't think she's here. To my sponsor and my stepsisters and all of you, my forever family, I couldn't do any of this without you guys. So many thanks to all of you for listening.